Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorization number TP slash 01005. On SEN, the captain's run with Kane Corns. Oh, so much to talk about this morning. Massive show coming up as we build up to round eight. So many storylines across it. Really looking forward to you joining in the conversation with us here this morning on one three hundred seven three six seven three six. The Temper text line oh four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen for Temper, a mattress. Like no other huge morning, Christian Petrarca's deal on my radar very, very shortly. But I want to ask Matt Rendell, a man who's been in that situation, how the ramifications on everyone else uh, will affect the playing group when a player signs for that long and for that much. Uh, we're going to go to our normal segments over and under. We've got Chad's Brothers Quiz We've got Chris Davies from Port Adelaide as we build up to the best rivalry in the AFL, bar none. That is the showdown tomorrow. Don't at me on that one, but I'm happy to take your suggestions on the best AFL rivalries. If it's not the showdown, as I said, happy to debate any topic with you if you want to join in the conversation with us. This morning, it's three minutes, four minutes, just ticked over nine o'clock. So let's get into the show with this. This one was right up my alley during the week. Start with Melbourne. They clearly weren't paying attention during last year's AFL trade period, and it could be doomed to repeat the same mistakes that have derailed a major rival. Across the street from Melbourne's traditional base at the MCG, the Collingwood Football Club was combining a fire sale and a salary dump to ease the torment from a major list management crisis. Collingwood proved how loyalty can be a one-way street. We all know the story. Stevenson to North Melbourne, Trelaw to the Dogs, Tom Phillips to Hawthorne, with the club paying a massive portion of Stevenson and Trelaw's wage for a long time. It was a complete disaster, and now, just yesterday, their list boss, Ned Guy, is gone, and Nathan Buckley could be next. The triggers to this disastrous management of the club's salary cap include Collingwood overpaying some of its mainstay players, most notably Ruckman Brody Grundy. In the lead-up to that famous trade period last year, Grundy signed the seven-year deal worth $7 million that commits him to the pies until he's 33, and his form has significantly fluctuated and generally declined since he closed the deal that heavily demanded a seven-year term. Melbourne has just made a similar mistake and might just face the same serious consequences. This week, Christian Petrarca has extended his contract with a seven-year deal, also said to be worth $7 million, and he'll also be 33 when the contract is cleared away. He already was contracted until the end of next season, 
when he would have qualified for free agency and there was absolutely no need for Melbourne to rush into a new commitment. They had at least 12 months up their sleeves. Petrarca's deal is similar to Richmond's contract with Brownlow medalist Dustin Martin, the one he signed in 2017. The difference, however, is that Martin has the game's highest profile. He's the AFL's best player. He has three AFL Premiership medals, three Norm Smith medals, as best of field in the grand final to prove it. And despite his unbelievable form and his significant improvement in the last 18 months, Petrarca's only notable achievements is the lone All-Australian Guernsey and club best and fairest that he earned last season. He's played in only three finals, which makes it impossible to judge how he thrives in big games. The concerning thing is for Melbourne, they're all in on this group. They've already agreed to long-term deals for Clayton Oliver, Jack Viney through until 2025, Max Gorn the same, and Christian Salem till 2026. How are they going to get deals for second-year sensations Kasiah Pickett, Luke Jackson, and to a lesser extent, Bailey Fritch, who will all command contracts worth way more than 600000 each a season when they seek to renew their contracts? Melbourne, they're all in, like Collingwood were. The difference being that Collingwood were a kick away from a premiership. Long-term deals almost never work in favour of the clubs. Let's go through a few. Jeremy McGovern, Giants trio, Cornelio, Whitfield and Kelly, Jared Pollock at North, Adelaide's Rory Sloan and Wayne Miller, Dan Hanabry and Bradley Hill at the Saints, Jason, Jason Johannesson at the Dogs, Dylan Shiel are all players that have suffered with poor form or injury since signing those long-term commitments. Something happens subconsciously to a player when he knows, regardless of how he performs, that he will be financially secure. Collingwood sits in 17th. Its players look psychologically wrecked. It's impossible to say how much of this is a result of the tumultuous trade period last season, but it's definitely a factor and a distraction. Such a self-made mess that may cost Nathan Buckley his job. Now, we watch if the salary cap squeeze tightens around Melbourne and its coach, Simon Goodwin. Like Collingwood, the consequences could crush the game's oldest club just when there is... Do you agree? Do you disagree? Is this one that will come back to haunt the Melbourne Football Club like it did with the Collingwood Football Club? Joining the conversation with me this morning. Never thought I'd see it. Never thought I'd see... A seven-year con- It's essentially an eight-and-a-half-year contract, so let's let's be real about the commitment that Melbourne have given Christian Petrarca, and, and this is not one bit of a criticism around Christian himself. Congratulations, hats off to him for his form and to his manager. I don't even know who his manager is, but, gee, you deserve a medal for that deal. It is an unbelievable deal for the player at the Melbourne Football Club. Doesn't have to get a kick, doesn't have to play, and he is going to be paid through until the end of 2029. Joe is in Cheltenham. A lot of people disagree with my take on this, and I'm happy to hear your thoughts and debate it with you. Joe, good morning to you. Thanks for kicking us off. Morning, Cornsy. How are you doing? Good, mate. Um, look, I, I agree with you to some extent, but the, the case in point you make about Dustin Martin, I mean, look, I'm a North Melbourne supporter, so and I tend to get reminded about the Dustin Martin deal quite often, but you know, when, when Richmond essentially you know, pushed the boat out for him, like those accolades, he was building what Petrarca was, and really it's paid off in, in spades with, you know, his performances as, as an individual. And, and looking at Petrarca, yes, on the numbers, 
Um, and the, the, I guess the weight of his performance is probably not there yet, but his upside's tremendous. And I guess my point being is that sometimes you've got to roll the dice right mm. and it will pay off and, and sometimes it won't. And, um, yeah, Brody Grundy and Dustin Martin are two, you know, prime examples of where it can and can't go wrong. Um, yeah, so, I, th- yeah. I think it's, it's a, it's a balance. It's, it's a roll the dice moment. And, you know, maybe as Ross Lyons said on Footy Classified on Wednesday, maybe, the clubs are expecting the ability to be able to trade away contracted players at some point within the nine years. I think the clubs are pushing hard for that, and I'd be one that would be supportive of that. But they're all in on this group, Melbourne, and and good on them. They're seven and zero at the moment, and they look great. But they haven't done anything, and they've committed their whole future to this playing group. My concerns mostly, like I'm, I'm watching Cosy Pickett, and he's a seven. Hundred thousand to eight hundred thousand dollar player right now, so I know I know his contract is okay at the moment, and he's extended it from his rookie deal. But what happens when he's out? How are you going to pay him? How are you going to pay Luke Jackson, who's every bit six hundred, and perhaps by the time he comes out, will be eight hundred with what he's doing? Bailey Fritch is is six hundred now, so he's he's a star. You're going to have to lose a couple of players because of the Oliver, the Viney, the Salem, the Petrarch casting, and. Hopefully it's not as savage as at Collingwood, but there's going to be some fallout from it. Matt Rendell to join us to chat about what that may be after 10 o'clock because he is a man who's done it. Brendan's on the road. Your thoughts on it, Brendan? Just turn the radio down for us, Brendan, if you can. Uh, you want to have your say on Christian Petrarca? Yeah, yeah. Far away. Okay, now we up. Good, thank you. Uh, you're comparing the Petrarca deal to the Martin deal, which annoys me because when Martin signed his seven-year deal, it's because North were coming hard for him. And when he did sign that deal, he wasn't a Brownlow medalist, he wasn't a North medalist, he wasn't uh, a premiership player. So to compare that to Dustin Martin's deal, I think it's a bit blindsided, Kane. So, um, yeah, I get that there's maybe issues down the track with um, having to out possibly losing Thank you for your thoughts. Yeah, he signed it. Well, he signed it late in in the year, and you're probably correct. He's tracking a similar way. So he signed seven years, eight point four million um, into sort of late July. Um, Dustin Martin, and you know, I was probably looking every bit like a Brownlow medalist at the same stage. But you're right; we couldn't foresee that he was going to be a triple Norm Smith medalist at the time that he signed that deal. Thank you for your thoughts, mate. Appreciate it. Let's go to... Was that Ryan? I think it was Ryan, or was that not? Let's go to Ryan. Hi, Ryan. Yeah, good okay. Hey, What's uh, your thoughts? Yeah, I want to talk about... Yeah. Well, um, listen, I want to talk about uh, Petrarca's contract. Before I do that, I noticed you tipped against Richmond again this year. I think it's out of eight rounds, you tipped against them up probably six times. Ten minutes and So waiting for them to fall off the cliff, aren't you? Uh, <laughs> anyway, mate. Petrarca's contract. There's only a couple of players, in my opinion, and in the league, that deserve that sort of contract. Uh, I think Bondon Pulley from Western Bulldogs. Petrarca will bring in a lot of members into the Melbourne Pro Club. Uh, you just have to be positive, man. You've got to stop being an idiot with it. I understand what he's saying. There's quite a bit of risk with a seven-year contract. But there's not many around who actually deserve that sort of contract. He's, um, he's got to be some sort of player. So, t- so Ryan, t- tell, me the, tell me the long-term deals, five years or more, that have worked in favour of the club and not the player. 
uh, r- rattle them off for me. Which which ones have worked? I'm not I'm not making this up. You you tell me which long term deals have worked. Give you a few names. I'll give you a few names. Okay. Well, uh, Dusty obviously, and then Cotton uh, got five year contract. Yeah, Cotton got five year contract. Uh, just after we lost elimination finals, not three in a row. So that worked out pretty well. Listen, I'm with, look, I'm kind of with you. Seven year is, is a lot. You can't give seven year contract to key position players. Probably Rotman. That's where Collingwood has gone wrong. But, but the truck is in a different level altogether. I mean, uh, he's, he's, he's pretty, he's pretty much, um, next, Dustin Martin, if you like. That's Good on you, mate. I, I, I'm, 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 the timing of it is interesting. Uh, I'm not sure why they... It's, it's, it's not seven, it's eight. It's basically eight and a half. So let's let's cut out the seven-year stuff. It's, it's an eight-year contract. They had him locked up until the end of next year, and people say, well, he's a free agent. He could go for nothing. I think clubs have got to be prepared to let players go. And it's not nothing, because look what the Giants got for Jeremy Cowell. You, rec- you reckon GWS are significantly disadvantaged by letting Jeremy Cameron go for their future when you get three first-round draft picks for him. He was a free agent. They wanted to keep him, eventually let him go. I'd love to get the insight into the Giants, whether they're regretting doing that deal with the draft picks they've got and setting their future up. I'm not sure. And if Jeremy Cameron keeps doing soft tissue injuries as he gets older, he's already had two already, Will they be regretting that decision? I don't think they would be. Let me know the long-term deals that have worked. Would love your thoughts. Sam is on the line. He wants to shift gears, and Andrew's on the line. He wants to stay with Petrarca. Thanks, Johnny. Your thoughts, Andrew? <laughs> well, my, my thoughts are that, look, they got good accountants at Melbourne, and um, I, I think you shouldn't worry about too much. Uh, they're at the, did, the did Collingwood, did Collingwood not have good accountants? Uh, uh, no. Did, did the biggest uh, club no. in the land not have good yeah. accountants? Uh, no, they didn't, because if you had a good accountant, you wouldn't go into those sort of mega deals like that. Um, look, he's a, he's a one-off within the group. He's a one-off in the group, Quanti. Uh, um, uh, yes, they'll, they'll be paying... Uh, they had to pay over the odds to keep these players, because you've got all these pariahs out there who want to uh, snatch players from other clubs. Each club wants to get a good player, from, and, and, and money talks, so... You know, I can see what Melbourne's trying to do, and I think they're supposed to be happy about it. If they had to lose a player down the track... Um, you wouldn't uh, want it to be Cosy Pickett. You wouldn't want it to be Luke Jackson, I can tell you that much. They won't. Yeah, they will not lose him, and they won't lose their top-enders. Um, and, and they'll look after those top-enders. Now, it's down the bottom end, which which could be, you know, might squeeze a bit. But if it means for them to win a premiership, if it means for them to win their first premiership since 1964... They've got to take the risk. Okay, well, that's okay. I'm not sure they needed to do it now. I mean, they're in a pretty good position to win the Premiership this year. You could have done it with Petrarca and all the others you've signed up with no need to extend to eight years. Let's see how the year plays out. Let's see how the first part of next year plays out before you commit ridiculous terms and ridiculous money to players. But I I, I appreciate your thoughts. Look, if, if they win... Two premierships, three premierships in the time that Petrarch is there. They keep the group together like Richmond have done an unbelievable job doing. I'll put my hand up and say I went early and I got that one wrong, like I did when I was critical of Richmond getting Dion Prestia. So I'll do that. I'll be happy to do it. But history would say long-term deals rarely ever work in favour of the club and the ramifications of it down the road could be haunting like it has been at Collingwood. Let's shift gears with Sam. He wants to speak about Nathan Buckley. Hi, Sam. Hey, g'day, mate. How you going? Good. 
Uh, look, mate, I just want to bring up a few points about uh, the old magpies. Uh, a couple of little things. I'm a bit disappointed the way uh, Colling was obviously gone about it from late last year into this year. I really feel like we've sort of lost some of our soul down there. And you can sort of see it out in the players. They don't, they don't seem that hungry. You know, I'd like to see a bit more sort of arguing out there if they're in support of Nathan. Mm. Um, going on to that as well, I think, you know, some of the better coaches can manipulate game plans to get the best out of their players. I feel like this slow, stagnant ball play trying to pinpoint kicking mm. out of our back, coming out of our back line, just doesn't work for us. And I understand Buckley was an elite kick, but you've got to tailor a game plan to get the best out of your players. Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? Like, we're so critical of Melbourne for the last probably two seasons with their ball movement and their efficiency going inside 50. And with basically the same group, they look like one of the best kicking teams in the competition. But your point is spot. So my biggest concern for Nathan Buckley is that, and you've sort of phrased it, lost its soul. Um, And what you mean is the lack of passion, the lack of aggression, uh, going the you know the extra mile, uh, saw you know, just some really ordinary efforts on field against Gold Coast, and then the lack of improvement from their key players is what concerns me most for Nathan Buckley when you're judging him and whether he should be. Now, I said last week, you want to have someone good to replace him because we know that he can coach, and who is that? I don't know, but the two biggest concerns for Buckley would be um, what you've picked up on there, Sam. Uh, we'll get to Chris and George, Adrian, Steve, and Steve. A couple of Steves on the line, ready to have a crack at me, no doubt. We're up and running on the captain's run. Get involved, joining the conversation. Smack bang on 20 minutes past 9 o'clock. If you're in Adelaide, it's 10 minutes to 9. The Cancorns. And long-term deals and has the Christian Petrarca contract got the ability to ruin the Melbourne Football Club like the Grundy and others did at Collingwood. Chris is on the Gold Coast. Your thoughts on it, Chris? Welcome. I think you're 100% right, uh, Kane. Um, Yeah, uh, I don't think it's wise. Um, He's been pretty good the last 18 months. I'll give him that, but he doesn't have the accolades that Martin have got. And I don't believe Melbourne are even that really that good. I mean, took them three and a half quarters to beat Hawthorne, who aren't that good. They took them three and a half quarters to beat Melbourne, aren't that good. They beat Richmond, I'll give them that, but everybody's got Richmond marked in their book. They want to beat Richmond. So, um, you know, when the whips are, whips are cracking, Richmond are going to be thereabouts. I don't go for Richmond either, but, you know, they're legit, whereas Melbourne aren't. And, um, yeah, I think there's some skeletons like um, Collingwood had. Like, I don't think Bailey Fritch will kick you five, six goals in a final to win you one. So I think, yeah, they're, um, they've gone a bit early on it, to be honest. They've definitely gone early. Yeah, look, I, firstly, I, I think he is very good. Like, as I said, this is not, not one bit of criticism on Petrarca. If, I, if anyone could have gotten that deal, they would have. It's, it's the criticism towards Melbourne and just did they jump too early and are they all in on a group that, who knows if they are good enough when, as you say, to use your words, the whips are cracking. Uh, time will tell on that one. Huge commitment to a player that they already had a contract for through until the end of 2022. Now, he's done a knee as well and you know, there is the risk once you've done one knee to do another. So there's that, albeit he, he looks pretty rock solid um, from his durability point at the moment. So we'll wait and see. Uh, Adrian wants to have his say. Your thoughts on it, Adrian? 
Hey, mate, how you going? Um, can you, what well, you say about Petrarca getting this mega deal and whatever, you know, and then you say Cosy Pickett should get $800,000 a year. Mate, what do you talk, how can you say about something about Petrarca and then mention a bloke that's played six games and then you want to give him $800,000 a year? Come on, what man. Do you, what, do you, on. what do you reckon, what do you reckon, what do you reckon the offers when Cosy Pickett's out of contract or check when he's out in two years' time? Uh, if he's tracking this way, what do you reckon the offers from other clubs on Cozzy Pickett will be? Get eight hundred grand. Come on, man. Do you, do you, Come do you, on. You, you, so Brad Hill gets nine hundred from St Kilda. Who's a better player right now, Cozzy Pickett or Brad Hill? Jared Pollock. Jared Pollock got eight hundred at North Melbourne. Who's a better player, <laughs> Cozzy Pickett or Jared Pollock? Answer yeah. that. Who's a better player right now, Jared Pollock or Cozzy Pickett or Brad Hill? You use whichever one you like. No, I'm not going to answer that because I'll tell you why. Why not? No, because you said... Why not? Christian Petrarca's only played three finals. He's only had one All-Australian Guernsey, this and that. Because he pick has done nothing and you want to give him... I'm talking about the length of the deal. I'm talking about... Christian Petrarca is is 900 to a million. No no doubt about it. Is Is he that for eight and a half years? No, he's not. And if they had said, here's four years at a million bucks, four million over four, happy days... Good luck, well done to Melbourne, hats off to you. I'm talking about nine years, and I'm telling you deals will come for Cozzy Pickett because deals have come for Dylan Shill, for Jared Polak, for Jer- for Jeremy McGovern, who's on 1.2, for Jeremy Cameron, who's on a million. They will come for Cozzy Pickett in two years, and they'll probably be more than 800. So, Adrian, you're wrong, and you've got my argument wrong as well, and you weren't prepared to answer the question that was a pretty simple one that I asked you. So, um, yeah, good luck to you. Hey, we'll get to Steve and Scotty and Cow Anook and Dallas very, very shortly. We've got to catch up with the news headlines, some important news headlines across the globe at the moment, obviously. But also, if you're heading to North versus the Pies at Marvel Stadium, don't forget to download the SEN app and hit SEN Stadium, play-by-play, no delay at Marvel Stadium. That's SEN Stadium on the SEN app. Remember to take your AirPods or headphones. I also want to get your thoughts on, I said that Toby Green was more of a casual conversation on SENSA yesterday about where he ranks. I said that he was top five. The social media guys tweeted that out. I'm going to give you my top five right now in the competition. I want your thoughts on that. Not an easy exercise, as you can imagine. But stick around. Steve, Scotty, Cow, and Nook Dallas will get you after the news headlines. There you go. There's the news. As I was just reading Damian Barrett's edition of Sliding Doors on the AFL. Some good talking points out of that. But Steve's been waiting patiently. He's a good friend of the show, Steve in Lilydale. Hi to you, Steve. How are you going, mate? You happy? You're up and about? Yeah, yeah. Good to go, Kane. I hope you're well. Good. I hope your family's well Confident? As well. Confident um, about the showdown? You're a big Crows man. Confident that it'll all go well for the Crows? I, I'm, I'm not. I'm, I'm torn, Kane, because I know that you said in the first round of the year that if Adelaide got within 80 points, of Geelong, and that have done well. And you tipped, <laughs> did um, I say that? Again from this time. And then, but then again, I know the Port, Port Power are the biggest flat track bullies downhill skiers in the league. So I also know that this is right in their sweet spot as well. We're so, on. Showdown's on. You want to talk about <laughs> Richmond, though? I do. Yeah, Kane. I, I, I know that. Um, and we're, there's often discussion about which is the best team of the modern era. Is it Geelong, Brisbane, Hawthorne? And I know Richmond is a part of that conversation as well. But I'm wondering whether there should be an asterisk after Richmond. Um, just with the way that the AFL continually and consistently looks after them with the ease of their draw. Um, mm. You know, they've had the easiest draw the last three or four years. And now I look at the rest of the year with the projected draw or fixture. It's not a draw, it's a fixture. Richmond's got the easiest fixture for the rest of the year. Um, and it's just disgraceful. I thought that with equalisation, that if you're the Premier, 
it's supposed to have a harder draw, but it just seems that every year the AFL looks after Richmond and gives them the easiest draw. And I was wondering, and this isn't Richmond's fault, this is the AFL. And I was wondering why is the AFL is worried if they don't give them a leg up, they'll be another 37 years of misery, or is it because the Richmond supporters are the second biggest bandwagon jumping up to Port Power and they're afraid that they'll lose their don't go here. Don't, see, see, you can come on and you can drop these bombs and then you can hang up and you can go off and sip your cup of coffee and do whatever you like. Uh, look back on your uh, VHS tape of the 1997-1998 Premiership win for the Crows and watch that for the 17th time on reruns. And then I cop all the bullets from the Richmond fans. I've gone to these areas before. I'm not sure I'm feeling as brave as you are this morning to go there again, but... I did notice, I did notice the Herald Sun's little article during the week on who has the most difficult draw for the remainder of the year. Yeah, and Richmond were down the bottom. But I'll let you take the bullets from the Richmond fans this morning. Good on you, mate. Appreciate it. Good luck in the showdown. You'll need it. Scotty's on the line. He wants to speak about Richmond also. Hi, Scott. Good morning, Kano. How are you going? Good, mate. That's good. Um, I mean, I'm a doggy supporter now. It was disappointing that we lost last week. But the thing I really picked up is with Richmond, their tackles. I saw minimum five swing tackles. They weren't picked up. They haven't been, I mean, probably the player weren't injured in their, you know, in their tackles, but you look at the other side's been pinned, the swing tackles been suspended, fine, that sort of stuff. But that's five in one game and not one got picked up. Mm, I, I didn't, I didn't notice it. I didn't, but, uh, you eagle eye footy fans out there, what are, what are some of the things that the umpires are slipping under the radar? Gee, it's hard to be an umpire, um, and I reckon we spoke about that off the top about six weeks ago on this show. Umpires are flat at the moment. If you are reading uh, what you're reading, Sam McClure is reporting the age after Hayden Kennedy stepped down as umpiring boss. Doesn't feel like the umpires are all that happy at the moment with the way that they're being judged on their bouncing, on their decision-making, how difficult the game has become to adjudicate with the stupid stand-on-the-mark rule, which is an absolute farce on the game. It's tough to be an umpire at the moment and, yeah, perhaps some things are being left to slip through and you can't blame the umps for how hard their role is in the game at the moment. Let's go to Anouk in Perth. Hi to you, mate. What's on your radar this morning? I'll just get you to turn your radio down if you can. Anouk, you're with us, mate. You want to speak about Mick Mulhouse? We'll get back to Anouk shortly. He's just... uh, Speaking of having a cup of tea, let's go to Dallas in Broadford. Hi, Dallas. Dallas, have I got you? Uh, yeah, mate, yep. You want to speak about contracts, mate? Uh, yes. Far away. Rightio. Um, yeah, I just want to know, like, is there, like, um, triggers or whatnot? Like, if you play bad, like, um, can you get less money sort of thing for having a bad year? And, like, if you do have, like, sort of, like, a, a good run, you, you trigger, like, more money sort of thing. Would mm. that sort of help with a big, long-year deal sort of thing? Mm. Or Yeah, it's a good point you raise. It's it's all individual, isn't it? I, I would hazard a guess that uh, for a player of the calibre of Christian Petrarca, he wouldn't have clauses in his contract that says if he's injured or if he falls outside the top ten in the best and fairest, he has to give money back. Uh, you wouldn't do that deal because the demand of him says that he doesn't have to do that deal. Some players have clauses in there. He would have bonuses in it. He would get paid more uh, for a you know, top three Brownlow finish or perhaps 
you know, a bonus for winning a club best and fairest or an All-Australian. So that would be in there. But I can't imagine there's negative ones in it for him. But other players have got triggers, play a certain amount of games over a two, three-year stretch. You are triggered another year on the deal. and you know, So it's all individual, but I would guess without having any details of what's in that deal that Christian Petrarca wouldn't. He'll get paid what he gets paid regardless of how he plays through until the year 2029, would you believe? Unbelievable. Mark's in Sydney. Hi, Mark. Might just be having an issue with our phone box at the moment. Just a little slight delay getting the calls up. Have I got you there, Mark? You want to chat about Sydney and the way that they're tracking this season? Morning, Kane. How are you? Good, mate. Well, first up, I'd just like to say thank you for your great career because it's always been a joy to watch on the field. Second up, being a uh, very strong Sydney Swan supporter, I just wanted to get your opinion on how well you think Sydney will do this season. Well, what a story. If you had said to me that Sydney after round seven would be fourth with five wins and two losses, um, I would have been shocked. I didn't have them in my eight, I don't think, at the start of the year. Um, Can they hang in there will be the question mark. Can Buddy come back? Um, We don't have the teams yet, but we believe he's going to play. Can he come back and contribute? Can the youngsters hold up will be um, the story of the year for me, but just... Um, the club that perhaps I respect most in the competition, Sydney, for their record. Um, they've never fallen off the perch. They've never had to significantly rebuild and stay down the bottom like Carlton and others in North Melbourne and Adelaide are going to have to do. They've rebuilt on the run. Um, they've got challenges with their cost of living, all of that. Great coach, great club, and I hope they can hang in there, mate. But it's a long year. We'll see if these players get tired. Appreciate your call and your kind words. Let's go to uh, Cow, who wants to speak about Christian Petrarca. Hi, Cow. Kane, your new name from now on, yep, your new name from now on is Mr. Negative Nancy. Negative Nancy, okay? Everyone trying to pot track for this bloody um, contract that he signed. No, I'm not potting him. Hang on, hang on, hang on. I'm just going to pull you up. I'm not potting him. For the third time, I'll say it again. For the third time, this is not a criticism of Christian Petrarca. I... Congratulations. Well done. You've done an unbelievable job to you and your manager. Love the way that you play. Going to reveal my top five players this morning. He'll be in the top five players in the comp. This is a criticism at Melbourne. So you were wrong on the first point. Now you can go. No worries. Okay. So in regards to this contract, Melbourne have to do what they have to do. We haven't won a flag in however many years, right? We've finally got an absolute... A genuine, genuine superstar of the competition, which Melbourne fans would know, and the competition would know that we haven't had many at all for however many years. So we finally get one, we finally lock him up, and secure, secure the future with not only Truck, all of our bookends with obviously Gorn, Oliver, the rest of them, and now, now everyone's trying to say, oh, look, you know, it's probably too much, and, and look what happens in the future. Mate, if we lose a couple of our bottom six plays over the next three, four years, so be it. There's no chance in hell Melbourne's going to lose players like Cozzy, Luke Jackson, and all of our gun players. They'll look after him. Every other club... Did, did, you, be, you, did, know, did uh, you think that line? about yep. Collingwood, though? Like, did you think when Collingwood signed Trelaw for five years that there would be any situation where they'd have to let him go for nothing and pay $300,000 of his wage for five years? I didn't. 
So you've got Lever and May and all the others. You're paying big money. There's only so much cash that goes around. And uh, it's all I'm saying. You just didn't need to do it, Cow. You didn't need to pull the trigger so early. Yeah, let's see if this group is good enough to win a flag this year. And then if you win the flag and Christian Petrarca stands up in finals and he wins a Norm Smith and he wins a Brownlow and he wins a Best and Fairest in a premiership year, pull the trigger then. Why'd they need to do it so soon? I reckon at the end of the day, Kane, the, the opportunity is staring Melbourne right in the right in the face right now. The time is now. So there, there's never been a better group collectively uh, for the Melbourne Football Club to actually finally break this break this drought. So I'm I'm in the the, the camp of do what you got to do, sign up all your talent. And yes, look, it's a long contract, but you know what? As a Melbourne supporter, I'd rather have Christian Petrarca on our list, knowing that he's going to be there for the next seven eight years. Like the fact that we've got this superstar in our club is going to be fantastic for our fans so and everyone uh, everyone around him is jumping on board everyone can yep. see the vision so for me personally the fact that they're all booked in it's not a bad thing for, for our club it's only a positive appreciate the melbourne uh supporters viewpoint from it the cow clearly a passionate melbourne man and as i said i'll give you your opportunity to state why it is a good a good contract i just reckon that the giants thought the same we're all in we're in a grand final canelio seven kelly ten Whitfield seven, Green a long term deal. They 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 thought they were close as well. Collingwood thought they were close, which they were all in. But you don't often foresee the challenges that come up after committing to this group. Now, as I said, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. And in four years' time, I'll put my hand up when Melbourne have got two premierships in their trophy cabinet and Petrarca's got a Brownlow and a Norm Smith. I'll, I'll remember this day, but. It could be a significant mistake. Mark, Luke, Steve, Mick and Dan on the other side of this. On SEN, the Captain's Run with Kane Corns. Yeah, welcome in. If you're just joining us, the first hour dominated by my strong views, not for the first time, on long-term contracts and the ramifications that they can bring. Ben, my producer's not talking to me. He's a massive Melbourne fan. Christian Petrarca's his hero. In fact, he's still got Petrarca posters um, on his wall above his bed. That's how much he loves him. So we're not talking at the moment. He's upset. A lot of you on the temper text upset as well. 0433981116. But this one, finally someone talking about the Demon salary cap squeeze. May, Lever, Oliver, Viney, McDonald, Salem, Petrarca, all on decent coin. There's only so much that can go around. Mark has been waiting patiently. Um, the Carlton Football Club have their own contract issues because unsigned are Harry Mackay and Patrick Cripps. Your thoughts on that, Mark? Um, I just wanted to ask a question to you, Kane. What sort of money and time length would you give on uh, Cripps and Harry Mackay? Yeah, it's not an easy one, is it? Um, so I've, I've spoken about Patrick Cripps at length and the warning to Carlton not to overpay him. It appears as though they will. He'll be he'll be searching for a six-year deal. Um, and I'd, I'd probably be comfortable with four at 850 around that mark for Patrick Cripps, which I think is a significant commitment to uh, what he's producing on the field at the moment. And for Mackay, well, he can't get more than Cripps. There's got to be a hierarchy with wages at a club. You, you can't have a player who has burst onto the scene somewhat after being frustrating, get paid more than the captain of the club. And that's why it's worked at Geelong. It's why it's worked at Richmond and other clubs. There is a hierarchy of it. So to use that logic, you know, Mackay's 
probably somewhere between seven and 800 on what he has produced in recent times, albeit there will be clubs that come with the kitchen sink for him. Uh, Luke wants to chat about Essendon. Hi, Luke. Yeah, g'day, Kane. Uh, look, I just wanted to talk about some comments that uh, you've made that I think uh, you've been a little bit irresponsible uh, on, and that's um, that Essendon have got um, good young players and, and a bright future. Um, the only reason they've got some half-decent young players is because players they desperately wanted to keep left the club. And, I mean, this is a club that hasn't won a final in 6,000 days, and I don't think it's happening for the next 6,000. Irresponsible, saying that Essendon have got a good young crop of players. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not sure how that is irresponsible. Have you been watching Essendon play this year or not? I have, and I'm worried about the direction of the club. I mean, who instigated this rebuild that's not even a rebuild? Was it Dodoro or was it Danaher who left? Oh, it's, it's, you, you move with the times. You, you, you move with the information you've got. You can't force Joe Danaher to stay. Uh, they did their best. He chooses to leave. You go and get an absolute Monty for him. Uh, that was a free agent, but you get three picks inside ten. You look at their best and fairest from last year. They're all young players. Ridley, Merritt, Assad's left. Langford's a young player. McGrath's a young player. Parrish is a young player. Tip and Woody was seven. He's got enough footy left in him. Uh, I'm not sure what we, where you're getting at. I always thought the core group of Essendon players and seven out of their top ten in the best and fairest last year have a good six, seven years of football left. And then... You go and cash in on the players that leave and nail the draft picks, which it appears that they have. I, I'm not sure that criticism of yours is is justified, Luke. But anyway, have you say? Happy for count of views. Oh four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen, or give us a call, Bombers fans. How are you feeling? Uh, Steve also wants to speak about Christian Petrarca. Your thoughts on it, Steve? Uh, g'day, Kane. How are you, mate? Good. Um, yeah, I just wanted to discuss, I'm a Richmond supporter, um, I see the similarities between when, when Dustin signed, he was, um, hadn't, had only won one best and fairest, wasn't a Brownlow medalist, hadn't won a premiership. Um, Christian's probably on that same, uh, trajectory. Um, so you've got to take a risk. Um, he's a good player. Um, yeah, I, I guess the difference with Martin, he was out of contract. Petrarca's not. He's not even out of contract. He's out of contract at the end of next year. So Richmond didn't have a lot of leverage in the Martin situation, particularly when North Melbourne came with $10 million or whatever. So they were a bit more forced into the deal, albeit he was tracking unbelievably well. The, the point that he signed, it was you know probably a one-way street to the Brownlow and you didn't know about the final success that he was going to have. But they had to because of the offers that were coming. Melbourne didn't. There was no rush to do this. Not, not one rush. Firstly, there's no offers coming yet because they can't get him because he's contracted at Melbourne. Um, secondly, it's round seven. So it's, yeah, it seems a bit premature for me as well. I just thought they had a bit more breathing room before you know, pulling off perhaps the richest deal in Melbourne Football Club history. Dan also wants to have his say on it, mate. Your thoughts? G'day, Dan. Oh, g'day, Kane. How are you going? Good, Look, mate. I have to... Uh, that's good. I have to support that other Melbourne supporter. You, you are being a negative Nancy about Melbourne on the Petrarca contract. Um, there's a bit of an attitude towards Melbourne that we are not a power club. Just know your place in the line. You know, your supporters can enjoy winning a final every few years. But that's not what we're about now. We want to win a premiership. We want to win multiple premierships. And you don't get there without taking some big calculated risks. They've signed up Petrarca, Viney, Gorn, 
Salem, Oliver, all long-term. This is a big strategy, mate, and the Melbourne supporters are loving it. Okay, appreciate your thoughts. From a Melbourne viewpoint, I asked for your calls and you've delivered. Uh, we'll get to David on the other side of this one. Also uh, interested in David Noble's comments this morning ahead of the big game tomorrow, the ramifications of this between North and Collingwood. He's not chasing a win. Strange comments. We'll get to those on the other side of this. On SEM, the captain's run with Kane Corns. Yeah, if you're just joining in this morning and tuning into us, I should say it's three minutes past 10 o'clock. It's 27 to 10 if you're on SENSA in Adelaide. The first hour dominated by the Christian Petrarca news, which dropped on Wednesday, a seven-year extension taking him through until the end of 2029. He'll be 33, was already contracted until the end of next year, and I was critical of what may happen, similarly what happened at Collingwood. Uh, in the coming years. So I thought, who better to get on and give us an expert view on it? Because don't take my word for it. Uh, Matty Rendell joins me. He's been there. He's done that. He's put these deals together. Matty, thanks for your time, mate. Uh, no worries, Kate. Pleasure, Marty. I don't know about that expert stuff, but I'll give him a bit. <laughs> <laughs> so what I, what I would be concerned about, and not a lot of people could have seen, or perhaps they could have, the Collingwood situation oh. and the fallout for it and how dramatic has been. Melbourne have committed such a large portion of their cap to a small group of players. What happens when a Cozzy Pickett or a Luke Jackson or a Bailey Fritch mm. comes out? There's not all that much to go around. No, it's a, it's a very good point, Kane. Um, look, I assume right here, right now, that probably may leave a Gorn, probably their highest-paid players in their club. Mm. Um, they would know... I, I don't know off the top of my head how long they've got uh, left on their contracts, but I assume their next contracts will they'll come down. They were well paid to get them out of their clubs, obviously, Gold Coast and Adelaide with Lever and May. So uh, they had to pay them well to get them out. So I assume their next contracts, they come down, which allows Petrarca to go up and obviously right. leave some room for uh, Jackson and Pickett are the two obvious ones. The problem with... Um, They've tied him away, but the problem with Jackson and Pickett is that uh, they're in the status, uh, obviously WA and South Australia, and, and clubs there are going to come hard for them. So it's going to drive their price up if they want to stay. Um, mm. So that's a, something they're going to have to deal with then. But I suppose by the time they're commanding big, big dough, uh, you know, Gorn and, and May and Lever will be you know, way down the picking order. So that's how you try and work your list, especially when you're in the window like they are to uh, win a premiership. Uh, this year, you would assume uh, for the next few years, because I can't see too many of their players uh, retiring in the near future, uh, probably uh, maybe Gorn's the oldest, is he? Um, but I can't see too many of their players uh, retiring in the near future. So they've got a window for quite a few years here so they'll um, yeah it'll require some uh, tricky management of their uh, TPP salary cap Kane. yeah the the other one's Oliver so he's re-signed but only a short term so yes. he's 2023 Viney so he's yeah he's re-signed to take him to free agency yep. so uh, of course if he keeps his form up he goes to free agency he's going to you know he's going to get offered quite a bit of dough elsewhere so uh, I think Oliver's a bit easier to replace than Petrarca, um, right here, right now. Um, 
McClucker offers a lot more, certainly uh, from an offensive point of view. I would have Forward, yeah. What, what was your initial reaction when, when you heard it? Uh, seven years. Um, it's basically eight. It's it's a, it's a long yeah. time. It's, it's Dustin Martin. Yeah, well, it's Buddy Franklin esque. Yeah, same as Grund, Grundy's last year. Really, he yeah. was yeah. seven, but he was always only partway through his his last year. So, um, look, let's go back a little bit. Um, Alistair Lynch signed a ten-yearer. That's right. Uh, at Brisbane, and they tried to get him, or well, they needed a big name up there, and um, so that was how they enticed him. I think it was about one point, uh, $175,000 a year for 10 years. Mm. Now, the first two years were diabolical because he had chronic fatigue and didn't play. So that was looking like a bust, but he ended up playing nine years and plays in three flags, so it looked super. Um, the Sydney situation is really different. So this is a really different market to everywhere else in Australia. And I think uh, after the 80s, where they were hugely popular, um, they had a really bad patch, and then they get plugger into the, t- into the team. And all of a sudden, Sydney footies kicked up again. And they must have realised then that we need a, a big, strong, high-marking goal-kicking forward for us to be popular in Sydney. Mm. So Plugger comes and goes, they get Barry Hall from Saints. He comes and goes, they get Buddy from um, from awesome. Hawthorne. Yeah. So if you've been to a game there live, uh, like I have, you would know that half the people who go to the footy in Sydney go to watch Buddy play. So his deal of $10 million or whatever it was over nine years technically is unders. Because I think he brings in 10 to 15 million a year in income into that club through sponsorship, membership, people through the gate and the like. So that's been, even though he hasn't played for the last two years, I think it's still been a a bonus for him. The only issue with the buddy contract is, is clearly they've back-ended the last two years heaps, uh, Kane, because they couldn't get Hickey in without getting a Lear, a Lear out. And that's how tight they are on the cap. And I could only assume, when you look at their list profile, that um, Buddy's got to be on, on, you know, at least one and a half million in his last two years, which they back-ended. Um, so but that's been a, a bonus for him. The Grundy one yet to be seen, but he doesn't miss. He plays every week. When, when players sign long-term contracts like that, Kane, I like to see him value-add. And when mm. I say value-add, that's the buddy value-add. They bring people through the gate. Uh, they're excitement machines. And, and uh, they bring in sponsorship and, and supporters want to be around them. Um, nothing against Grundy, but I don't think that's his go. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but it certainly is for Krakers and buddies. And the other one, which is going to be coming up shortly, I'm, su- I'm sure you, there'll be plenty of talk on that, is Josh Kelly at GWS, you know, we're talking eight million over eight years. Mm. I'm not so sure that he value adds outside his great playing ability, Kane, and that's a worry for me. But I read yesterday that there's plenty of clubs interested in taking up the offer if, if GWS don't. Yeah, that's a, that surprised me. He's not a when you say value add, he's not a Toby Green. He's not a he's not a bums on seats sort of no. heart and soul type of player and, like Toby Green is. And, and they've got Whitfield there, and they've got Canelio on big money. Uh, Whitfield's obviously a long-term Canelio. Whitfield, I'm not sure of his status, but he has to be well paid. Mm, but they've yeah. got a bit of an issue, I think, because Tom Green has been outstanding, and he's going to command big dough 
from them. And, and I'm worried that if they keep, well, if you're a GWS supporter, that you do this deal with Kelly, when does, when does it leave people like Tom Green mm. coming through Taranto and the like? So um, the other thing I was saying about, um, about Buddy too, don't forget how desperate they were to get Danaher to replace Buddy yep. up in Sydney. So they understand where they're at there. So different market. But, uh, yeah, the, the Josh Kelly one worries me from a GWS point of view about keeping some of their great young talent. Let's get on to Collingwood because big news yesterday. List manager Ooh. Ned Guy uh, is leaving now by his own accord, if you believe what you read, and he wanted to do that or told the club on the back of the trade period last year. So it's been in the works for a long time. What was your reaction to that news yesterday? Uh, not surprising? Uh, no, it wasn't surprising. Um, I haven't spoken to anyone about it or anyone at, at Collingwood, but, um, you know, it was a, it was a disaster, not of all his own making uh, the last... Um, trade period you know that was a that was a list management uh, monumental stuff up not only over one year but two or three years everyone has to take responsibility for that after list management he was trying to uh, manage the outcome best he could he didn't have much many cards to deal with because everyone knew it was a fire sale <laughs> so so um, you know but Ultimately, uh, well, is he in the responsible? I think the footy manager's the one who's ultimately responsible. Which manager does all the groundwork, really? Um, so the, the, the footy manager signs off on TPP, uh, salary cap type stuff, and has to sign off on trades and contracts as well. Um, we, we heard uh, Quarter come up and out and say, that, you know, they disagreed with doing Grundy's contract, which is a bit surprising coming from the new president, but. Um, but it wasn't surprising. I just look. Um, Ned's uh, background is in finance, and and I think that's why they got him in to try and fix the PPP. <laughs> it didn't quite work out that way. Um, but um, my experience was that he didn't watch much footy, and and right. look, people are coming into the club in in. Um, you know, recruiting list management. You have to love watching all sorts of footy. Uh, I know you're like me, Kane. You know, yeah. I watch AFL, BFL. I watch women's uh, uh, under-18s. I'll go to the local clubs and watch them play. Uh, any grade of football, I'll go and watch. I don't think Ned was that keen on watching a lot of footy. And I thought, so from that point of view, I thought it was a really poor appointment by Jeff Walsh, to tell the truth. Mm. And no surprise, it's ended up like it's ended up. The biggest problem for Collingwood is they've got one recruiter there, there Derek Hine, still doing all the heavy lifting. Um, I don't think there's anyone else there. You know, Adam Shepard's gone, I've gone. Don Malisi went to um, Bulldogs. So I don't know whether, obviously, Wrighty's got a great recruiting background, so he's all over that sort of stuff. But And the other the thing that might not be so damaging for him is that, um, you know, obviously, Josh Dacos is... Probably, you know, it looks like he's got to go number one. So all their points are going to go um, for Josh Dacos. So they mm. won't have any picks second, third round unless they do some manoeuvrings. And, you know, they're probably trying to pick a player or two right at the back end of the draft. Mm. Yeah, fascinating to see the fallout from it. It's been extraordinary. Uh, we did foresee it, but perhaps not to this level during the trade radio period, which you were all over. Just just a word on the game. Uh, Nathan Buckley confirmed that Darcy Moore will go back. Um, pretty disruptive <laughs> for uh, arguably their best player. Well, 
actually speaking about long term, if there's a long term contract I would do, I'd do it for Darcy Moore. Is that I'm right? doing a seven year. Uh, he value adds Darcy Moore. Uh, people go watch him play when he's at his best. Those first three games of the year, mostly mm. uh, mm. favourite for the Brownlow. Mm. <laughs> so, um, he, he's exciting whether he plays back or forward. You know, um, I think he can p- play forward in a better system. Um, you know, even Pendle said he wouldn't like to play in our forward line. <laughs> mm. Wasn't a good push, was it? <laughs> um, so uh, look, he's well suited in defence. Uh, he, he really does shore him up. He can play talls and smalls. He looks spectacular. They really uh, sucked all the goodness out of him, Kane moving him forward and then back and not quite know what to do. He looked completely lost last week, what to do. So, yeah, settling back, playing the rest of the year in defence. Get that part right. Try and see this year's gone and try and set up for next year um, with their defenders and get some uh, unity back there. And look, next year, if they... If they, they're obviously going to be on the lookout for a key forwarder, you won't be able to get one because their salary cap won't allow it. But, mm. um, you know, if you can get a really good key back somewhere, they're, they're normally a bit easier to get. Maybe you can push more forward again and ruck with uh, Grundy. That's a great tandem, more and Grundy in the ruck. That'll cause uh, massive headaches in the ruck and forward. So um, he's one I would do a seven-year for. Well, there you go. Pies fans, do you agree? Let us know your thoughts on that. Join in. Hey, uh, Matty, thanks so much for your time and your insights this morning. No worries, Kane. Pleasure, mate. And if you're listening to us uh, in Adelaide on SENSA, Footy SA is back this Sunday. It's on Channel 9 in Adelaide, but also on SENSA. You can download the SEN app. That will be Matthew Rendell and myself wrapping up what is set to be a massive showdown. All thanks to our good friends at Sip and Safe. So tune in for that one. Uh, lines available right now if you want to have your say. One three hundred seven three six seven three six is the number. Uh, yesterday I said that uh, Toby Green was a top five player in the game. As things happen, you you, you talk for two and a half hours every morning. You, Toby Green comes up and you sort of casually speak about it. And I said, yeah, I reckon he's a top five player in the game. Then the, the digital gurus put it on social media and everyone sort of loses their mind about it. They either agree or disagree. That's the way it sort of works. But I think he genuinely is a top five player in the game, isn't he? I'm not, I'm not working, walking away from those comments yesterday. So it's not an easy exercise to do. But, but right now, if you're going to, if you're going to do it, the top five players in the game for me, Martin Bonson-Pelly, Petrarca, and people say, oh, you didn't want to give Petrarca a nine-year deal. No, I still take nothing away from his football. I think he's been unbelievable. So they're the three. And it's hard to do it when you've got injured players. Like, I think Dangerfield is a top-five player in the game, so I've put him in there. I know he's injured, so recency bias, you lose it. But this time last year, what Dangerfield was doing on a footy field, forward and in the midfield was was top-five. So I've kept Dangerfield in there and Green, perhaps with the shout-out to Max Gorn who could replace Dangerfield if he had an injury clause in there. Let us know your top five players in the game, and is Toby Green at that level? I don't have a key position player in there, which disappoints me because it is dominated by the midfield, but such is the difficulty of playing that position. It's hard to get consistency in those roles. 80 minutes past 10. You can have your say. You can do it on the other side of this. Get involved. It's the captain's run on your home of sport. Go on. 23 past 10, time now to go to Sydney and our guru from the Sydney Morning Herald broke a big story uh, yesterday. That was that the Sydney assistants aren't allowed to come to Melbourne because they've been to a COVID 
Hotspot, Vince Regari is his name. Hey, Vince, uh, congratulations on that story. It's a big one, and thanks for your time. Okay, hey, my pleasure. Don Pike, Dean Cox, Jared McVeigh haven't made the trip to Melbourne because they visited a Moore Park cafe on Monday. Um, yeah, it's a big one, and there's not much left for John Longmire in the coach's box for tomorrow's game against Melbourne. No, it's going to be a lonely... I'd say it would be a lonely box for Horse if he actually coached from the box, but he's usually on the bench, so it's probably, <laughs> probably more of an issue for him because he relies on those blokes to give him that, um, that sort of bird's-eye perspective. Um, definitely... Uh, a funny one, the sort of story that, that COVID can only serve up. And um, look, it's a, it's a triumph of boots on the ground journalism because I only found out about it because um, I, I also went to that cafe on Monday before Horses press conference on uh, on Monday. I was actually right. just behind Horses. He ordered his coffee. So I missed the uh, hotspot window as he did. Um, but the other three lads were, were sitting outside and were there in that 12.30 to 1 p.m. window. Um and uh, yeah, just a, a timely reminder of just how quickly things can can turn with, with COVID, of course. Yeah, no doubt about that. So Tom Harley's spoken this morning, uh, CEO of the Swans. He said that they requested the AFL move the game, um, but that was denied. Is that is that your understanding as well? Uh, mate, I have to say that's news to me just because right. Tom spoke in, in, in Melbourne this morning and my colleague Andrew Wu was there. I'm, I'm still up here. Um, yeah, that, that, that's interesting, though, because... Um, yeah, where did they want to move it to? Do they want to move it to here? Or? Yeah, we're trying to chase down that audio. He's just spoken recently, so we'll get that and we'll play it, play it shortly. Um, so what, what are the AFL, do we know, you know how involved these assistant coaches will be? Can it be FaceTime? Can they watch on TV? Can they have their mobile phones? Is, has there been a request, do you think, from the Swans to still keep them involved from back in Sydney? Yeah, definitely. Last I heard, uh, which was late last night, is that they were working through a way to try and get those blokes uh, involved on match day. It's, it's, it's going to be um, a bit funny, obviously, because, you know, imagine whipping out three iPads at quarter time and listening to your line coach give you a few orders. It's just mm. out of this world kind of stuff. Um, Orson's is going to have, um, I think, uh, Brett Kirk, Ben Matthews, maybe even Jeremy Laidler with him. So I'll have a few bodies, but just not the, the usual guys that, um, that are with him. And they're so important on match day too, because it's... Uh, it's, you know, many hands make light work kind of thing for, uh, for AFL coaches. And it, it's a, going to be some interesting questions as well because um, you'd probably know the rules better than I do, Kano, around match day and what you're allowed to bring into a change room and what you're not. They might even need to actually have an exemption, perhaps have phones with them um, in the box and around the ground uh, for those guys to be able to communicate. It's um, certainly is a unique situation. And the surprise yeah, it has taken us a, a year and a half into a pandemic to get something like this, actually. Yeah, we've been, been lucky, but actual, uh, actual carnage this week. Uh, what about the playing stocks? Did Franklin and Rampy make the trip? Uh, I think they did, yeah. Um, they, they trained uh, yesterday uh, at the tramway oval just next to the SCG. I believe they've made the trip, uh, which is which is great news for the Swans. I mean... Um, you know, they're, 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 they've come out of this injury crisis that, that sort of rocked them about a month ago way quicker than, than anyone expected. If, if Franklin gets named tonight, and I suspect he will, then he's coming back two, two weeks earlier than um, they'd anticipated. That comes up that Tom Hickey came back one week into an eight-week PCL in, uh, injury, mm. which goes to show the benefits of probably not actually having a PCL, which means if you injure it, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> and, uh, and Isaac uh, Heaney... Before that, I think came back one or two weeks early from a broken hand. So they're getting real close to their their best twenty-two 
um, the Swans, and they'll certainly need that tomorrow night against uh, the Demons, who are red hot. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, mate, you're a big you're a big Port fan. So Charlie Cameron tweeted yesterday. He's got a good, pretty good perspective on it because he played at Adelaide. Now he's at Brisbane. He said the showdown's the best rivalry in the AFL. Do you, do you agree with Charlie Cameron's take? And how do you see Showdown Forty Nine playing out? Oh, I think it's as I said on Twitter, mate. It's it's the best club rivalry in Australian sport at the moment, and I say that without um, sort of the bias that's lived within me my entire life. I just think. There's nothing that consumes an entire city in Australian sport anymore the way that a showdown does. Like, you'd probably say that some of the other big Victorian rivalries have a little bit more history behind them. Um, but I think it's probably been a long time since the Carlton-Collingwood game captivated all of Melbourne the way that, you know, some of those most recent showdowns um, have just uh, enraptured in, in Adelaide. And, look, the, the, the added element around the prison bars as well just fires people up two, week out, two weeks out. Like, last week was... It was just madness how many people were uh, were interested in that, and but the the, the hate warrior it consumes them too. Uh, I don't think anything touches it at the moment, and that's that's mostly because a lot of the games in the last five six years on the field it's just unfolded really 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 well. Some classics. I mean that that Montreux bounce, just you know I can still see that in my mind. Oh, you know there's some just absolutely magic moments, and, and for me it's, it's certainly top of the pops in uh, in AFL rivalries, Australian sport rivalries, and I, I would have thought Port will have. Uh, enough in them to, to get over the line but in a showdown you, you never actually know do you? No you don't mate and I, I agree with everything you just said uh, big story broken that uh, Dean Cox, Jared McVay, Don Pike won't and haven't travelled to Melbourne with the team leaving John Longmire almost one out as coaching his side tomorrow night. You broke it mate congratulations and thanks for your time this morning appreciate it. Thanks Kano pleasure. Vince Rigari from the Sydney Morning Herald Sun. Old school coaching back in the day where you had a coach and you perhaps had one assistant. Times have changed a lot and they rely on each other a lot more to keep a, a close eye on all things happening across the ground, clearly. And horse is going to be one out. We'll see if that affects the result tomorrow. Don't forget, this is your sporting life on Sunday from 10am. Sam Edmund is going to talk to one of the Melbourne greats, Captain Brad Green. That's thanks to Tobin Brothers Funerals celebrating lives. Big shows still to come on the other side of the 10.30 news headlines. We'll take your calls on anything that has caught your attention from the world of sport this week and perhaps your certainty in most at stake. Who's under the most pressure this weekend and what is your sporting certainty over the weekend? one 736 736 Good morning to you. 23 minutes to 11 o'clock. Taking your calls now. Line's available. Time for you to have your say and join in the conversation with us. one 736 736 Marty's in Adelaide. Hi, Marty. Good morning, Kane. Big weekend coming up. The showdown and the uh, eagerly waited clash on Mother's Day at Brighton Road. Glenelg versus Sturt. Now, Plenty. you're not old enough to remember this, but your dad will. 69, we smashed you. 70, we won comfortably, giving us five in a row. And 74, we beat you in the first grand final ever at Westlake. And unfortunately, Neil Curley was coach of each of those sides. Bit of sandful history there with Marty. He's fired up for a big weekend of South Australian footy action. Good on you, mate. Appreciate your call. Trout's on the line. Uh, He's not happy. We had Steve in Lilydale call up. And I knew there was going to be a response. He was critical of Richmond's draw. Trout, over to you, mate. The floor's yours. Kane, Kane, Kane. Mate, you know I love you. But look, you've had a bad two weeks. Eddie got you last week, and now you've allowed did this he, guy to get did on he here. Get, did he get me? 
I, I think he did. Look, I stick up to you all the time, Kane. I think you're fantastic. But I think he did because it, it, it was in writing and the, and the jumpers, uh, the, the black, the, I don't want to go all this again, but the black and whites Collingwoods and the prison bars shape, the style jumper is there. So I, I think he's right. And I, he, did, he did come off as being a, the winner on that discussion. But okay. today, you know, you fueled the fire again, the MCC I didn't, game. Trout, Trout, I didn't no, fuel it. I didn't. I had a caller. I had a caller that cheekily had a dig at Richmond. That's all that happened. Yeah, but, but he knows. He's, he's throwing the wood onto you, right? And, that, and that's, what he, that's what he's done. But you sat back, and I, I, I would love to see the footage if the guys could put it on Twitter of when that caller rang up, that you would have been leaning back in your chair, your two arms would have been going up, and you would have had that smile from ear to ear that you I continually was, had. I was smiling. Right? I was, I was smiling. Ask, I want to Yes, exactly right. I bet you they, if they could play that, it'd be great to watch. Now, I reckon you did this. This caller's got on here, so because uh, Carlton have won a game, and it's, you, you can't pick on Carlton, so you've gone back on the original <laughs> on the MCG games. <laughs> but because I reckon Barb's um, complained to Hutchie and Hutchie's gone and had a little word to you or maybe an email, that's a possible. Um, now, my question to you is, and this is a serious one, yep. is what Richmond players near the end of their careers at the moment do you see going to a, another club uh, for one or two or three year deal in the next two or three years? That's a good question. Are you sort of comparing it to what happened with the fallout at Hawthorne? Um, well, history says that that's what happens. Like, I don't, I don't know of any like the Brisbane, Geelong, and all that sort of stuff. And Hawthorne players go to other clubs because the the list has got a. At some point, we've done incredible well, incredibly well to hang on to the list we had. Um, well, I think we're the first, one of the first teams to win a premiership in, like, say, 2017 and keep the same players the next year, the, the, the premiership players, but that's very rare. Um, I, I just got a feeling they, they're all not going to be able to just walk out and say, mm. hey, I've finished my career at Richmond. There's going to be some, and I just can't pick it. I've I, I got no idea who would possibly be in that boat. Yeah, so let, I mean, we could uh, and ask the Richmond fans. So it's a really good point you made because Mitchell, Hodge, Lewis, all of the ones that had left, um, can't really remember Brisbane. Mal Michael, Jason Ackermanis, the fallout perhaps there from that. Geelong, um, I'm not sure many left the Cats, did they, after their sort of dynasty? So Cochin, no, he either retires. I don't think he goes on. I don't think his body would allow him to. Would, would, a, would a revolt? Um, leave it. They're the two obvious ones. Dustin Martin early this year, there was a link to was it Sydney saying he wants to play forever, and would he ever think to be? I, I, I don't know. I'm just speculating here, but they've done a great job at keeping the group together. The big one's Shy Bolton um, of getting him stitched up. Shy Bolton. Um, they got to do that and do that quickly because he improves week on week. Trout, love your thoughts, mate. Uh, still love you. We're still mates. Agree to disagree and move on. Rowan's on the line. Marcus Bontempelli on your radar, Rowan. Yeah, Kane, I just want to start off by saying I think you're really good at what you do. I've been following you for quite a while now. I used to not like what you say, but listening to you from over time, I really respect what you do. And, you know, you don't put your toe in the water. You just jump straight in. You've got to appreciate a person when they Thank do you, that. Appreciate um, that. I just wanted to say... Um, so, besides the loss to Richmond from the Bulldogs, 
it's almost they're in a similar position to Melbourne. So mm. moving forward uh, next year, I think Bontempelli's out of contract next year. What would you give him? Um, do you rate him? You don't rate him as high as Dusty, I don't think. But what would you pay him? <sighs> See, it's an excellent. It's an excellent conversation. So he, so he wants six. This is from, I'm just going off what I've read. He, he wants six. The club wants to give him five. So if the Western Bulldogs could come to an agreement where we say it's five plus a trigger, if you play, I don't know, 85 games in five years or whatever it is, 90 games in five years, we'll give you another one just to protect themselves a little bit. That's around the mark. He's a million. He's a million. Like he's... He's Petraka money, isn't he? Um, he's not, you're right, he's not quite dusty, but he's not far off. I just did my top five. I've got him the second best player in the game at the moment. Second best player in the game probably earns 1.2, 1.3, 1.4. Now you take a bit of a discount to stay at the club where you, where you are great and if he wants to finish there. So they're the figures. I don't see it to be an issue and I don't think the Western Bulldogs will give him eight like Melbourne have given Petrarca but it, he'll get paid well he, he won't be struggling to put food on the table but massive Bonsampelli uh, fan Rowan I think he's an absolute star and I like the way he's going about it and developing into one of the game's great leaders appreciate your call uh, Bordeaux's in Broadbeach hi Bordeaux Darcy Moore yeah uh, Kane definitely Darcy Moore needs a seven year contract all Australian centre back um, he's just an absolute star. He needs to go back. And also, my two certainties this week, the goalie to kick five, he's going to shine this weekend. Yeah. And also, I reckon, this is a big one for you now, Kane, Port Adelaide will not wear prison bar jumpers this week. That's my certainty. <laughs> pretty good, mate. Pretty pretty good. Uh, it's So last week there was a couple of players that were under the pump. Eddie Betts was under the pump. Uh, Tom Lynch was under the pump, and I put Trent Cochin under the pump on footy, and, and they all responded in a big way. So Bordeaux's on, onto something here. Uh, the, it, it does have Dugowie kicking five written all over it against a pretty weak North Melbourne outfit, and then uh, get the critics off his back for just a little bit. We'll get to Ross, Troy, and Craig um, on the other side of this, and we'll also get to our world-famous segment, which has just taken the Australian radio airwaves by storm. That's over and under. We'll do that next. BCN, the Captain's Run with Kane Corns. Yeah, taking your calls through until the 11 o'clock news. We've got Ross on the line in Forest Hill. Hi, Ross. How are you, Kane? Uh, love your work. Um, it, it just want to say, first, it's such a pleasure to be talking about somebody other than Richmond Hawthorne and Collingwood. It's just fabulous to have Melbourne and the Dogs and, you know, teams we don't see very often up the top. It is uh, good. Up at the top at the moment. And, uh, mate, I'm going to sound like an old woman here, but can you please stop saying St Kilda? It's St Kilda. That's been the name for a 100 years and just because all you sporting commentators spend so much time watching American table sport, it's not St Kilda, it's St Kilda. Okay, Ross, uh, appreciate, uh, that's fine, it's all, that's fair. I dislike it when um, people call Port Adelaide Port Power, so St Kilda, there you go, is that better? Thank you. Thanks for your thoughts, mate. Thanks, <laughs> thanks for your call. Good luck on the weekend, big game for the Saints up against the Gold Coast. Can they replicate their form from the weekend? Who knows, do we trust St Kilda yet? Not sure that we do. Troy wants to speak about Frio. 
G'day, Troy. Can you? I just want to echo one of the earlier callers, mate. You are clearly number one at what you do in this country, so well done, mate. Oof, um, big, big rap. Well, there's some distance between you and number two as well. Hey, listen, <laughs> on the Dockers, it, it appears like um, the media talk about 17 of the 18 teams. Now, I don't follow Frio, but I reckon they're on the right track, and I'm interested in your thoughts. They've got a tough month, and they've got to learn to win away from home like all the interstate clubs, but they appear to be a club that's got a plan. And if you remember, when they parted company with Ross Lyon, they waited, mm-hmm. and the only guy they wanted appeared to be Justin Longmuir. Um, I'm interested in how you think they're travelling and, and what the next year or two look like for that club. I, I'm, I'm optimistic about their future. and I've, It was a big step back on the weekend. I was really disappointed in their form. I just keep getting bullied by West Coast. So if you can put that one aside, the way that they're building, I'm optimistic about. And they've gone for a young coach, and it's perhaps a lesson for Collingwood. I don't know if Nathan Buckley's going to coach Collingwood next year, but if he doesn't, the talk is they're only going to replace him with a Ross Lyon or with a Hardwick, as unrealistic as, as that can be. They'll be the targets, Paul Ruse in the conversation, all of that. But the benefits of going to an, a younger, untried coach are there. Of course, there's the risks as well with Brendan Bolton and, and others that haven't worked. But there's the risks with the experienced ones that have. So you know, I think he has a very sound knowledge. He knows the way that he wants to play. He's prioritised youth but hasn't extinguished all of the experience as well. So I think I've done a great job. Don't think they play finals this year. But... Um, I think they're not too far away from doing that. So I'm optimistic, Troy. Thanks for your thoughts and your kind words. Craig is on the line. Um, don't often do this. Craig, you want to chat about the Sandfall, is that right? Well, the previous caller did, Kane, saying there's a big game on Sunday between Sturt and Glenelg. Yes. I just wanted to chime in. There's a bigger game, in my view, uh, South and the Eagles tomorrow. Keep your eye on South this year, I just wanted to say. Uh, they haven't won a flag since 64, mm. uh, and they lost a couple of key players in the draft. Bo, Bo McCreary was taken by Collingwood, and uh, Paul Hunter, the big ruckman, was nabbed by St Kilda just before the season started. But South are off to a good start. They won their first four. They went down to Norwood at the parade last Friday night by nine points. That was their first loss of the year. But they're looking good, so I just uh, wanted to say keep your eye on South this year in the Sandful for possibly... Keep your eye on the Panthers. First flags, yeah, yeah. First flag since 64, we're hoping. Mm. Yep, can they break a drought? Good on you, Craig. Appreciate your thoughts, mate. Uh, going all around the country with the footy this morning, which we can do. Graham's in Geelong. Uh, comparing Petraka and Bontempelli, Graham. Who's better? Yeah. No, not comparing. It's more uh, a caller rang up um, and ask you what you reckon Bontempelli would be worth. And having just done your top five and ranking him at number two, you said, oh, top two players, got to be worth between 1.2 and 1.3. Petrarca came in at number three, so let's say that he's worth 1.2. I reckon Melbourne's done a pretty good deal and got two years for free based on your own reasoning. Well, the, the criticism isn't about what he's getting paid. It's the length of the deal. I'm not sure why that's so hard to get through people who are listening this morning. It's not the figure that he's been paid per year. It's the eight-and-a-half-year commitment to a player that, that has the ramifications to trickle through. Now, I said Bontempelli is worth 1.2 to 1.3. I don't think he gets that, certainly not at the Bulldogs, because to build a great club, you sacrifice. And that's what Richmond have done. It's what the great Hawthorne and Geelong teams have done. Players take less because they know the rewards of playing at a successful club's clearly outweigh an extra couple of hundred thousand on their deals. But, Graham, listen to me. The criticism about the Petrarca deal wasn't the million a season he's getting. It was the eight-and-a-half-year commitment 
that they didn't need to rush into. Hopefully that's clear for everyone who's getting confused out there this morning. Nando's on the road. Uh, did Carlton win this week, Nando? Carl, um, how you going, mate? Good. All right. Um, love your work. You can't win this week. I'm asking you, Kane. <laughs> oh. I reckon they. I reckon they. I, I reckon they'll give him a go. But look, it's going to be a big battle. But um, do we believe? I him was. Or? I was. Con- so if I had a con- so I'm fascinated a little bit by David Teague's media performances. I. He's not. I don't think he's quite as savvy in the media as some others. Like his comments and I, look, I didn't listen to the the whole thing. I just. Um, read the headlines, which is um, tricky to do, but he he basically said that he's okay with a shootout, provided that Carlton kick more goals than the Western Bulldogs. It's unusual for a, a coach in 2021 to say that. Usually it's all about the defensive structures and how they're going to limit the opposition and the players got to bring effort and win the contest. He's saying they're okay with a shootout as long as they kick more goals than the Western Bulldogs. If you get in a shootout with the Western Bulldogs, you lose by... Eight goals is what I'm saying. So about, I don't know. Perhaps it's a smoke screen. Perhaps he's more savvy with the media than I give him credit for. They're rank outsiders, Carlton. They're playing on Marvel Stadium. No team in the competition plays that ground or any ground better than the Western Bulldogs play Marvel. So, I, look, I'm not optimistic is what I will say. Um, doesn't mean their season's over the Blues. As I said during the week, they're somewhere between six and ten. But if it's a shootout against the Dogs... They lose by eight goals, unfortunately, for you, Nando, but appreciate your thoughts, and I hope I'm wrong. Uh, Ian wants to speak about Shea Bolton. Hi, Ian. Got you there, Ian? Yeah, we'll get up to... uh, I'll get Ian back a little bit later on. David Noble, speaking of um, coaches saying interesting things in the media. Credit to North Melbourne, can I just say firstly, and your media department... They put up David Noble more than any coach in the comp. So massive shout out to them. He does interviews that he doesn't have to do. And most of the times when you're asked for Noble, they give you it, which is a great result for a team that's under the pump. And I guess if you do as much media as he does, you say some interesting and divisive things. I thought this was an interesting grab from David Noble when he spoke about the Collingwood game tomorrow. Yeah, we... This is going to sound a little bit strange. We're not chasing a win. We're chasing process. We're really hell-bent on growing, getting better, and being really consistent in our methodology around what that process looks like. Yeah, well, what do you think when you hear that? As it doesn't have to be a, you don't have to be a North Melbourne fan. Um, I would think this is their best opportunity. Well, it is. It's their best opportunity since the Adelaide game. Um, they were up at three-quarter time, weren't they, before getting blown away in that last quarter. Um, they had some injuries that, that cost them. They were great against Melbourne. I did that game. I thought for the first time I had some real optimism about the way that they were trying to play and control possession of the game, dominate possession, and they were strong at the contest. It was a really good performance, their best of the year. Why aren't they chasing a win, though? N- not not chasing a win. They're chasing process. That, that's coach rubbish, isn't it? That's, that is absolute rubbish. David, and I love you, David, and as I said, you've done more media than anyone. You're an absolute ripper, and you're going to get north on the right track. But you're chasing a win. It's perhaps your only chance for a win for the year. Of course you're chasing a win. Don't give us that coaching gibberish, please. Um, Can I have your thoughts on that, footy fans? If your coach got up there and said we're not chasing a win, surely you go into every game chasing a win, not chasing process. 
Um, but I'm interested if anyone's got a counter view on that. Send us a temper text, 0433981116. That's for a temper, a mattress like no other. Over and unders coming up. We're going to hear from Port Adelaide footy boss, the head of the game's best rivalry. That's Chris Davies. And we've got a great story to tell about the Bulldogs rookie, Buku Kamas. I hope I've pronounced his name correctly. One of his mentors coming through is going to share some amazing insights into that great story. Footy boss Chris Davies, uh, we'll ask him about the rivalry and how they still make sure the young players are aware of the rivalry and how it is so important to the footy club and footy in South Australia. The game's best rivalry, no doubt. Showdown 49, team split. 24 apiece, would you believe? We get to the quiz, great prize to give away over and under still to come and plenty of time for your calls on one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 736 We see amazing debut videos, don't we? The clubs probably over the last four or five years have done an extraordinary job doing that and coming up with innovative ways to do it. I think this one takes the cake, though, for the debut video of the year. Let's go inside the Western Bulldogs yesterday when it was announced that Buku Kamas was going to make his debut for the Dogs on the weekend. Getting invited by some schoolmates um, down to a local footy club, a St Albans footy club, where it was there. His then coach, Charles Gretchen, his uh, partner, Kelly Ryan, uh, saw this young man and felt that uh, they really wanted to support this young fellow. And it was then that they uh, took it upon themselves to, to really take him as part of their family, drive him to every football commitment, every school commitment, um, and even going to the extent of uh, including him um, in their family holidays. Yeah, yeah I just want to uh, thank the coaching staff. Thanks, Dave. Uh, thanks to the boys. Um, it's been a hell of a journey so far, and I just can't wait to play on Sunday. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the voices you heard was the Bulldogs Academy manager, Dave Newton, and the man that he was referring to was our next guest, Charles Gretsch is his name, former coach of St Albans and mentor to the Bulldogs rookie, Buku Kamas. He joins us. Charles, thank you so much for your time. Uh, appreciate having me, Kane. Appreciate it, mate. Uh, we just heard uh, from Dave Newton that uh, you saw something in Buku that was special to the point where um, you took it to a level to support him that perhaps not many would understand. Family dinners um, almost made him a part of the family to the point where you took him on your family holidays. But what was it about Buku that struck a nerve with you back when he was a lot younger? Yeah, look, when we met Bukes back in the back in the day, you know, he was, uh, it was about a decade ago now. He was, I think he was a young, young fellow, just about 11, 11 years old. Um, and obviously, you know, first first session, the meeting, you could just see there was something about him. He was, he was a special young lady. He was very shy um, to start. He didn't, didn't talk much. Um, didn't know much about the game of footy, but obviously had the natural ability there to play. You can see that straight straight off the bat. Um, and obviously I was coaching back then at the St. Louis Footy Club. Uh, Kelly, my partner, um, she was a team manager of the team and, and uh, another coach, uh, cousin of mine, was coaching the same, same mob with me, which is Sean. So we, we saw straight away Boosa special. Uh, he obviously needed a bit of a hand to get to and from training. Um, at the start, it wasn't too bad because he lived close to, but when we shipped venues, because when we did a summer pre-season training, we were on two different grounds for the Swans Footy Club and he found it hard to get the game. So we just reached out. I reached out to him because I thought, you know, this kid deserves a chance like everyone else to have a kick, mm. basically. So, you know, we, we just decided myself and Kelly said, look, let's, let's, you know, we can help him. So let's, let's, let's you know, start off by giving him a lift of training and then the relationship just grew from there, which was awesome. So he's a 
he's a refugee from South Sudan. He spent time Correct. in a refugee camp in Kenya before coming out in 2006 with his family. Correct. Some of the challenges uh, of that, um, I can't, I can't even imagine. But how have you seen him develop as a person over that time? Yeah, look, look. Obviously, the challenge at the start, obviously, just adapting to, to obviously, you know, obviously coming from Sudan to adapting to obviously, uh, obviously, the Australian lifestyle was was probably challenging. And Burke's at the start, like I said, he was very shy, and he, you know, obviously walking into the room, he wouldn't really engage with a lot of people, and and obviously. So obviously we saw that, and, and especially Kelly. Kelly's been huge for him. She's, mm. I suppose, taught him, you know, you know, walk into a room, say hi, goodbye, and, and obviously just helped him develop that. And, and, he, and he obviously talked to that pretty well. Um, you know, obviously learning about the culture, Sudanese culture was big for me and Kelly as well. You know, really adapting to, to you know, to you know, his his obviously background um, was big for us. Opened our eyes. Um, you know, it was it was it had its challenges, definitely, but it was it was um, a fantastic ride and a, and a really good journey with him. You know, and that's where we we got to know the boy. You know, and we we just fell in love with him, and obviously started uh, you know really really adopting our family um, as much as his own. Look, you know, obviously we make it clear that you know Books has got his biological family as much as us, mm. and I always say to Books sometimes he's unlucky he's got two families to deal with. You know, so his biological <laughs> family, but. Uh, um, but uh, in saying that, yeah, he he just he just loved it, and we loved him around, and yeah. So the challenges were there, but they weren't something that you, you they weren't undoable. You just had to to work through them and and understand, I suppose, is the is the key. You know, obviously, being from Sudan and and through that that refugee point, obviously, they, it comes with the challenges. These boys have obviously had it tough, and to Books's credit. He's just a humble young man. Everything that's come his way, he's always just really been appreciative at all. And, and, and to be honest, at the start, he had, he had nothing. So, you know, he's he's a fantastic young man, to be honest with you. I'm very proud of him. Yeah, it's uh, it's one of the best stories I've ever heard. And uh, the best part is he's forced his way into arguably the best team the in yep. the AFL. Yep. And the Doggies and Luke Beveridge spoke yesterday on the video. And if you if you haven't seen it, go to the Western Bulldogs social media. It's five minutes, 40. It's... Well worth your time. It's amazing. It's hairs on the back of your neck stuff. He just said they were patient with him. They questioned whether he could do it, but he taught him a great lesson to hang in there and be patient. But when you first saw him, you know, pick up a share, and it's the toughest game to play yep. in the world, if you're foreign to it, uh, tell us about his football and his development. Yeah, look, at the start, you know, his first training session, he was, you know, we, we had this summer training camp and, and, and we saw him, himself and, and, and Sean and, and you could see the raw ability. The talent was there. He, he was, to be honest, the first time I laid eyes on him. He was in the, uh, the goal square, um, taking set shots goal. Um, and he was probably 35, 40 out. And he was locked at that, that age. It's ridiculous. He had, he's got a beautiful kick. He's a left footer. His drop punt was, was fantastic. So he had all the intangibles to be talented. The biggest knock on Boogs back in the day, and, and uh, to be honest, probably carried over to the Bulldogs, and that's what Pat, he had to switch on to get right, was his endurance. He, he just wasn't a good runner. To, to be honest, uh, his first training session, you know, he probably killed me for saying it. He couldn't finish a lap. He was, he was, you know, he just, he just didn't have that running in. Um, did everything else right, just couldn't run. But over the years, he's, he's obviously built that up. Um, and obviously, when Bevo was was chatting that you know, it, was, it was two million and one shot, that was because he'd come back from that break with COVID, and he probably just wasn't up to it for running. Mm. Um, we had a bit of a heart to heart with him at home, Kelly especially, my partner. She's the the good cop, I'm the bad good cop. She's the bad cop in the family. She, she'll, she'll hit you between the eyeballs and be very honest. And she told me straight, you need to get this right, mate. You need to work hard 
and get that part of your game right, and the rest will come because you've got the ability to play. Which, to Boogs' credit, he you know he knuckled down and did it. And, you know, and the hub was hard, but he worked hard every day. You know, he worked day and night to get his running right, to get his fitness right. Because if he got that right, the rest of his game would come, which which this year we've seen, which has been awesome. Really good. Charles Gretsch is former coach of St. Albans Footy Club. He's been a significant mentor for the Bulldogs rookie, Buku Kamas, who's going to make his debut on Sunday for the Dogs. It's one of the best stories you will ever hear um, in the AFL this year. So your emotions when you got the phone call and he told you um, he was um, playing on Sunday? Yeah, to be honest, yeah, I'm not embarrassed to say I was crying. Um, I, you know, I, 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 you know, I've been coaching a long time, and you know, coaches try to have this tough demeanour and, and the rest of it. I'm um, sorry, my phone's buzzing. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I broke down in tears to be honest with you. Um, so proud of him. He's worked his butt off for this, and it means it means the world to Books. It means the world to me and Cal for him to have this opportunity because we know how much it means to him. Um, so yeah, the emotions were, you know, to, right now to be honest with you, I think I'm getting a bit emotional just thinking about it. He was, it was huge. Um, yeah, the, the emotions definitely got the better of me, to be honest with you, but it's a good thing. Yeah, so, I, Charles, I'm you've really got kids of your it. own. Are you going to yep. all be going along as a family? And obviously yeah, you wouldn't yeah, miss we're, it for we're the gonna, world. Yeah, well, I've got three, got three, three children of our own. Um, we've got an older daughter who's actually a birthday today. She's 22 today. And um, another son, 19-year-old uh, Regan, and uh, another son, he's uh, 14, uh, turning 15, is Reese. So we'll be going, plus also Books' brothers. Three three brothers will be coming along as well, which, you know, they're all fine young men. We love them. They're part of the family as well. They're good boys. So we're all going to be there together and, and watch Books go, go have a run and hopefully get a few good kicks and a few good intercept marks. It'd be awesome to see. Let's hope so. So for, for Doggies fans, before we let you go, what, what sort of player are they getting? Yeah, give them an insight for those that haven't seen him play. Well, I haven't seen him play. Well, what, what, sort of, what can we expect? Yeah. Look, Books is, look, he started off his career as a, as a ruffin, to be honest with you. He, um, but then again, as an under eleven, under twelve player, he was he was a huge kid. He was you know he was just shy of my height. You know he's so about five foot eleven back then almost. So he started off as a ruckman, which he dominated um, the WRFL for a few years, and, and also played forward. Um, and then when obviously he got to the to the representation football side of it, he started playing tack up for the Jets, um, and he started there as a forward as well. Um, which he, look he, his craft wasn't too bad as a forward, and then I think the Dogs might have mentioned to Torren Baker, the coach back then, that give him a crack down back. Um, which I think that's where Buku excelled. He's a he reads the play well. He's a fantastic intercept mark of the football. Um, he's got a, like I mentioned already. He's got a beautiful kick. His left foot is, is, is you know I think a beauty sometimes when he gets onto it right. So he can deliver the football well. So he's a pretty much a rebounding intercept mark top defender. You know to be honest, if you want to mention another dolly's player, pretty similar to the lines of, of Woody. You know Eastern Wood. He's pretty mm-hmm. much that type of mould and that type of player. Well, there you go. Uh, mate, It's thank you for joining us and sharing this story. Great, amazing it. reaction on the text line. Everyone's um, so uh, captivated by this story. It's remarkable. And for all that unrewarded work that you've done, when you sit there on Sunday and watch you play, you should be enormously proud of the work that you and family have done and the effect you've had on one young man's life. It's, it's unbelievable. Mate, Thanks for your time, it, Charles. Look, we're, we're really happy. Appreciate it. We're happy for him. It's all about boots on Sunday, and we hope he just goes out and and just enjoys his game. Appreciate your time, Kane. Really do. Good on you, mate. No, I appreciate yours. Uh, there you have it. Charles Gretsch, former coach. Uh, of- on ECN, the captain's run with Kane Corns. Well, let's catch up with what our Melbourne Rebels are up to. It's 20 minutes to 12 o'clock. Rebels take on the Auckland Blues, May the 15th at Amy Park. So next week, that is, and one of their big man mountains and superstars is our next guest. Brad Wilkin is his name. Brad, thanks for your time. Uh, thanks for having me. 
Reading up on your story is quite extraordinary. Three ACL injuries is remarkable to get back from that. Can, can, I, can I start there? And how challenging was it to be in a position to recover from those three? Yeah, like you said, three ACL injuries. Um, yeah, it's, each one sort of had its own challenges. And um, I guess I was able to, you know, get through those challenges quite well. And every time came back with... Um, you know, with success. So, yeah, it's sort of a proud moment in my career or like a proud, something that I'm proud of is has been my ability to um, overcome those injuries. So you should be. When was the first? I mean, how old were you and do, do they follow in quick succession? Or what was the time frame around it? Um, so the first one was 2016. Um, uh and then the la- and then the second one sort of followed not not long after. And once I got back from that first uh, recovery, um, I was probably set to make my debut. At the time, I was at the Waratahs, and probably the Thursday of the my debut week of training, I went down with the the other knee. So there was not much space between the first two, and then I managed to get a good run, um, 2018, 2019. Um, before I unfortunately did my third one over in Durban when I was playing for the Rebels. Was there ever a thought that you you couldn't be uh, couldn't be bothered's the right word, but you couldn't be you weren't up for the fight to get back? Did that ever cross your mind? Uh, I guess it sort of crosses your mind every now and then, but um, I'm lucky to, lucky to have you know very supportive um, people around me, especially my parents and my brother. They sort of remind me of, you know, why I play rugby in the first place. And, um, yeah, they've, they've been massive in my journey um, and always wanting to sort of get back and, I guess, prove to myself but also prove, I guess, other some other people wrong that um, I probably they probably think I should, should give it away. He's 190 centimetres. He tips the scales at 103. He's a powerful mobile forward, but his preferred position is as a flanker. Let's talk about the Rebels. Bit of, I guess, a bit of controversy this week. Dave Wessel stood down as your coach. Uh, sad to see him go. And, and what do you think led to that? Yeah, it's um, it's sad to see Dave go. He's been a big uh, influence in in my three years at the Rebels. Um, it's been a big week here at Rebels HQ. So, bit of change happening, um, but. All the boys are sort of, you know, rowing together, um, putting their heads down and hands in to sort of move forward with this new Trans-Tasman competition, which we're excited about. Yeah, which happens uh, next week, May the 15th, Rebels taking on the Blues. I guess there could be some challenges, I don't know, with the with the border between New Zealand. I know it was shut off between Western Australia during this week or paused. New South Wales now with some issues, just breaking news, no COVID, um, no community case of COVID in New South Wales, which is good news just announced then. But I guess you have to be flexible with, with what's going on, as you have been for the last 18 months. Yeah, exactly. I guess we've had our fair share of um, having to move out of Melbourne and get on the road. I think maybe it looks like New South Wales might have to do something similar to what we've had to endure over the past 18 months. So... Um, I'm, I'm hoping that the competition can go ahead and um, because it's, it's an exciting prospect and I'm sure every Australian team is keen to test themselves against the Kiwis. Uh, sporting family, your brother Aaron's a professional golfer and you like to have a hit as well. Does it get competitive? 
Um, yeah, it does look. Oh, it, or it, he's it, just too good. It's too. He's too good. It's not even a um, <laughs> fair fight. But I do like enjoy playing with my brother when I get a chance. When I go back home, or when he's on touring Melbourne, he might drop in for a week or two at my place, and we might manage around together. And more of me just trying to pick his brain give me some tips and also get a fair bit of some fresh balls off him. Mm, I think I've played Pro V1 collection quite a bit. <laughs> good good plan. Are you, have you still got that ferocious mullet that you're rocking? Is that still a thing? Yeah, it's still there. Um, good. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't got rid of it just yet. Despite, despite um, pleas, pleads from people. Who's not, who's not happy with it? Teammates or family members? Uh, probably family members, the big one. Um, mum, mum probably wants to see it gone. Um, get a bit of slack from some teammates, but I think the longer it's been sticking around, they're actually growing on them as well. So they're kind of encouraging me to not cut it. Yeah, keep it while you can. They're probably probably jealous of the hair. Hey, mate, it's an amazing story to, to read about it. Um, it's inspiring. Three ACL knee injuries. You're an absolute star. And good luck next weekend when you take on the Blues in this new Trans-Tasman competition. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. That was our guest this morning, powerful forward Brad Wilkin from the Melbourne Rebels. You can visit melbournerebels.com.au for details. The Rebels taking on the Blues, May 15th at Amy Park. The quiz next, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Last person standing, great prize to give away. Speaking of golf, you want to stick around for that. Sorry to do it, but we had to. A showdown-themed quiz for the best rivalry in the AFL. Get to it, jump on the phone, last person standing. We'll do the quiz next. It's time for Chad's Brothers Quiz. Nearly out of time, but it couldn't be the captain's run without Chad's Brothers Quiz. He loved the showdown, did Chad, so it's perfect. It's on theme, 18 goal, eighteen holes of golf uh, midweek for two, with a cart included thanks to Club Mandalay, a must-play course in Melbourne's north. Last person standing, you know the drill. we got uh, eight minutes to get this done. Don't think it's too difficult. Sam's going to kick us off. Hello to you, Sam. How you going, Kane? I'm good. Are you a fan of the showdown? Uh, I am, actually. Good man. All right. Well, you may be with a shot here. Who has won the most showdown medals for best on ground in a showdown? Um, uh, let's go Mark Rusciuto. Wasn't a bad guess. I reckon Rue's got three off the top of my head. I think Josh Franco might have three. There's a couple with three, but this player stands out. Andrew in Sunshine. G'day, Andrew. Okay, how are you? Who's won the oh, most? I I th- yep. Go on. What? Warren Treadway? Not Treaders. I reckon... I don't want to do him a disservice. I think he won one. He definitely won one. I don't know if he won more than one. It's a lot more than one. Uh, Mick's on the line. Hi, Mick. Okay, Kane. How are you? I Any think they call it the like Phil Walsh. I think they call it the Phil Walsh medal now. Um, no clues yet. Um, no, fair enough, buddy. That's all right. Look, I'll, you'd have to go for someone like Andrew McLeod. Uh, no, Andrew McLeod had uh, had me for company a lot, um, Pickers, which made him made it really difficult for him to get a kick in showdowns. Unfortunately for Andrew, as much as we love him, there's a couple of votes there. Uh, Glenn's on the line. Hi, Glenn. How are you, Kano? I'll give you a clue. He, he he will be playing in the showdown on the weekend. So he's a current player. Uh, 
current player, I was going to say Josh Franco. Nah, he's got three. I'll give you one more guess. No, that's it. Brutal here this morning. A lot of people wanting to have their say. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Geez, we're stuck on question one. Current player playing in the showdown on the weekend. Who's won the most showdown medals, Damien? Uh, I'll go Robbie Gray. And you would be correct. Superstar. He's won five. Robbie Gray has won five of those. Phenomenal showdown player. Uh... Question number two, which AFL great was quoted in 2009 saying, there is no doubt that this is the greatest rivalry in football? I'll give you a clue uh, that he has at one point in time coached either the Crows or Port Adelaide. Uh, Malcolm Blight. Yes, good answer. Question number three for you, Damien, in East Brighton. Josh Jenkins, game winner in 2018, was marred in controversy because of what? I think his final goal hit the post. I think you'd be correct. And I reckon he even himself admitted after the game that he hit the post. Just another time Port Adelaide were robbed in that one. Uh, Question number four, what year was the first showdown? Oh, I don't know, 2004? No, come on, let's think about this. It's not, not too hard. The first showdown, Derek, on the road. Have a think about it. What year was the first 97. showdown? Yes, 97. It had to be the first year Port Adelaide were in, didn't it? Port Adelaide won that in a stunning upset by 11 points. Crows had the last laugh, of course, went on to win the Premiership in 1997. Who has won the most... Well, who has received the most Brownlow votes... In showdowns. Mark Rusciuto? Good guess. Really good guess, but no, it's not Mark Rusciuto. Matt in queue. Hi, Matt. Hi, Kano. He polled... Um, He was a a vote poller, this guy. Uh, Who's received the most Brownlow votes in showdowns? Andrew McLeod. No, McLeod had me for company. He couldn't get a kick in showdowns for, for obvious reasons. There you go. Max is on the line. Hi, Max. There you go, mate. Uh, who uh, has... Yep, you got the question. What's the answer? Sorry, is it Goodwin? No, it, it's, it's, of the, it's of the Goodwin and Rusciuto vintage. Can I say that? So you're, re, you're around the right area. G'day, Jason. Jason, gong him off, Johnny. Get rid of him. There's a lot of people that are lining up. They know the answer. Cam's on the line. Hi, Cam. Hey, I think Jason was on his um, on the microwave there. Was he? Um, I think I heard that in the background. Um, oh, wasn't Thompson, was it? Scotty Thompson was a good guess, but no, it wasn't. It wasn't Scotty Thompson, but he also had a good record in showdowns. We've got two minutes to get this answer. I'm going to start giving away clues shortly, but I reckon Mitch in Essendon might have that answer. Hi, Mitch. Kano, how are you going, mate? Who has won... Who's received the most Brownlow votes in showdowns? Uh, Travis Boak. Not Travis Boak. So, right. Riley's next. It's of the Goodwin, and it's of the Rusciuto vintage. Doesn't mean it's a Crows player, is a hint. Riley in Hamilton. G'day, Riley. G'day, Kano. How are you? Got the answer? Is it Josh Franco? Yes, it is. Josh Franco, love 
The showdown, Riley. 18 holes of golf midweek for two. It's got a card included, Club Mandalay, a must-play course in Melbourne's north. Um, we could have chucked on an extra question. Benny, who's, uh, who's played in the most showdowns? But I think we've got enough votes uh, for you tomorrow, if in case you're wondering about content for your show on Off the Bench tomorrow. It's been a big, big morning. If you've missed any of it... Um, been some um, a lot of debate, I guess, about the Christian Petrarca stuff off the top. Some excellent interviews, in particular Charles Gretsch, who had a significant impact on a debutante, Buku Kamu, for the Western Bulldogs on Sunday. That was that was a brilliant and a must listen. You can download the SEN app and catch up on all of the things that you may have missed. But thank you to everyone who got involved in the show. For all of you that have sent a text in as well on the temper text, a mattress like no other, 0433981116. Who's doing the footy tonight? It'd be Waitley, it'll be Hudson, but it's a massive game. Um, I have tipped Geelong. We had a eagle-eyed Richmond supporter who doesn't... I, I think he actually knows... Um, when I wake up in the morning, he keeps that close of an eye on who I tip in my footy tips. Honestly, I do them within 30 seconds. But I did tip Geelong to upset Richmond tonight. Um, I think they can do it. I think the outs for Richmond are significant. I understand they get Dustin Martin back in Boston, but Grimes and Cochin will no doubt hurt, in particular Grimes. So I think that is the winner. AFL Nation tonight, Jared Waitley, Anthony Hudson, Jared Healy and Nikki Del Santo tonight on air from six o'clock Melbourne time. AFL Nation, you can download the app and of course all the best footy coverage over the weekend. If you're heading along to Marvel Stadium at any uh, game this weekend, just download the SEN app and hit SEN Stadium. You'll get real play-by-play, real-time commentary. It's an absolute game changer. No one else is doing it. Uh, check that out and give us your feedback on that one. But in the meantime, happy Mother's Day. To all of you mums out there, Pam Corns, you're an absolute ripper. Happy Mother's Day to you, to all the mums listening to me this morning. Um, and to everyone else, make sure you spoil your mum this weekend because they are absolute legends. Dwayne's World, up next, and I'll see you next Friday. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 91